And here we go. Um, it was truly a masterpiece. I don't know about all that. Ugh, absolutely the worst movie ever. Hands down, bar none, the greatest action spectacular ever. Well, uh, the other one just stuck them up. Are you asking me? I promise I'm not going to sing this time around. Welcome to Don't Be Crazy Podcast. I'm Justin Kavanagh. With me, as always, is Mr. Zachary Rancourt. Here we discuss and dissect what makes a film, past or present, absolutely amazing, or just pure rubbish. All that we ask of each other is don't be crazy. Don't be crazy, Zach. Eat me! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> be afraid. Be very afraid. It's Thanksgiving Day. I was thinking about that yesterday, all day. It was funny. <laughs> I'm good, man. How are you? I'm I'm just uh, dealing with all the early Christmas shopping, the Black Friday uh, palooza, and uh, the the food hangover from yesterday. But uh, oh, how are man. you? I'm good. No complaints. Good. Yeah, it's um, it's weird. I tried to do some Black Friday shopping today, and it was bananas. You wouldn't think that there is a stay at home stay at home issue. The store was packed, but I was one of those assholes who was out there. I did, though, get to where I was going, the one store I went to, in and out super quick, uh, but it was pretty insane today, so I'm just thankful that I can do a lot of online shopping and stay healthy and stay safe. But, there you go. Yeah. yeah. Did you... Oh, so you don't eat meat, and neither do I, uh, but what did you have yesterday for Thanksgiving, then, if you didn't eat meat? <laughs> Shit, man. I had, like the, like, the Swiss rolls or whatever, the Hawaiian rolls, whatever those are called. Hawaiian sweet rolls. What are those called? Yeah. Hawaiian sweet rolls. Yeah, those are yeah. good. Okay, those so I had those. Good. I had some of those. I had like six of those. And then I had uh, mashed potatoes there. And I had some pilaf. That was it. Ooh, pilaf? Nice. Yeah, Armenian thing. <laughs> Did you guys just stay at home for that? Yes. Just In you fact, I made, we made everything on Wednesday and then just did leftovers yesterday. <laughs> there you it's go. I know. I was like, I wonder what, what turkey flavored uh, veggie patty Justin would get for, for Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah, I, I laid out the veggie patties this time, but I did have some today. But um, <laughs> I know I was like, oh, I'll take a break a day, 24 hours. And the streak um, is alive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm uh, I am the Iron Man. Like Cal Ripken Jr. when it comes to veggie patties. <laughs> so there's that. But um, yeah, I mean, it was just easy peasy. And then, I, you know, I had like some some pie. I did the Ooh. whole pie thing. What is your favorite kind of pie? Oh, man. I like just like a regular sort of chocolatey cream pie type thing. Mm. Basically pudding on a pie crust. <laughs> yeah. If you want to get technical. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that sounds good. I am a key lime pie guy, so I'm with you on the on the on the creamy pies. I'm not big on the fruit pies too much or the yeah, pumpkin that, that much. I don't do that. So, Pass. I mean, I'll eat any pie and I will stand on this hill and die. I think pie is better than cake, hands down. Uh, fight me if you think different. Ooh, I could fight you. I know how. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I am. Um, so I, I've actually perfected this uh, vegan uh, chocolate cake that is so goddamn delicious and i make it for everyone's birthday and i haven't gotten any complaints i know a lot of times using different products might throw you off but 
when they don't know that it's a vegan cake <laughs> tricks, <laughs> tricks the brain a little bit <laughs> so there's and that I'll, I'll never tell yeah <laughs> exactly uh, they don't know it's all covered in the frosting there it's all yeah, a, lot of, a lot of sugar it's, it's all yeah. the same it's all me exactly exactly so so what have you been watching um so i've uh been watching a well i guess a decent amount of stuff i watched toy story again uh i watched teenage mutant teenage mutant ninja turtles 2 the secret of the ooze uh, i used to think that was better than the first one and boy was i wrong i watched high fidelity for the first time um i don't know did you like high fidelity yeah it's okay i just thought john cusack was a huge asshole in the movie so it was it was just kind of boring to me and it kind of upset me i really like jack black in it of course though uh, I, I watched The Fifth Element. I watched The Big Green. I watched Con Air and Planes, Trains, and Automobiles yesterday. So, a lot. But I've also been playing a lot of video games. I bought Doom Eternal and I bought MLB The Show 20 for Black Friday. Uh, and I have been playing the shit out of Doom Eternal. At first, I didn't really like it as much. But then I just got in the zone and I've just been tearing demons apart. And it's been fun. But uh, yeah, I'm just blazing through that game. So, yeah, that's all I got, man. What about you? What are you uh, watching? Uh, I've been watching a lot of Scrubs, and I've never seen it before, and it's just on a lot. <laughs> <It's just been laughs> straight with, I think we're, like, on season three now, and then and just started, like, on Tuesday or Wednesday. And um, what's today? Friday? Yeah. So, watching a lot of Scrubs. Watched The Mummy last night, Trapped in Paradise today before that, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles last night. Uh, favorite, one of my favorite movies of all time, so... Just had to squeeze that on in there, but you, you can't punch a man in the stomach when he doesn't expect it. That's how Houdini yeah. died. <laughs> That's how Houdini died, you know. <laughs> he's like, you gotta kill me, slugging me in the gut like that <laughs> when I wasn't ready. That's how Houdini died, you know. You want to hurt me? Go ahead and hurt me. <laughs> My wife likes me. I like me. Yeah. My customers like me. <laughs> it's on the real article. What you see is what you get. See, what you see is what you get. <laughs> Oh, it makes me sad when I watch that because I'm just like, ah, I miss John Candy so much. Dude, he was 43 when he died. I know. And it, it just breaks my goddamn heart because he was he I bet he would have just had such an amazing career even after he passed. Sure. Like, uh, it just breaks my heart. So. Same with Chris Farley. He was only 33 when he died. I know. Exactly. But that's like your age. <sighs> I hope I don't die tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, me too. Although you did already order my Christmas present, so I should be. Okay. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm so happy. I'm so happy I got the good majority of my Christmas shopping done well before. I am going to shop local. Uh, I was going to go today, but I think I'm going to go tomorrow through uh, through my neighborhood. And we got a lot of really awesome shops. So I'm going to pick up some some knickknacks, what have you. Knickknacks um, yeah. and patty wax and give some bones give, to some dogs. Give some bones <laughs> to some dogs. Yeah, there you go. That's what I'm going to do. So, um, Yeah, are you ready to talk about this motion picture show? I think so. So we're going to do Kingsman from 2015, directed by Matthew Vaughn, who you might know from Stardust, Kick-Ass, X-Men First Class, and of course, all three Kingsman movies, two of which have been released. The third is shelved until the pandemic is over with. So good luck with that. Uh, film was written by Jane Goldman, Matthew Vaughn, and Mark Miller. Uh, what is it? Mark Miller and Dave Gibbons did the comic book. Is that right? Yeah. 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 Which I didn't even know it was a comic book would be before I saw it. It wasn't until like afterwards that I had discovered it was a comic book movie. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, huh, how about that? I'll be damned. 
the film stars Taron Egerton, Colin Firth, Samuel L. Jackson, Sophia Boutella, Michael Caine, Mark Strong, one of my personal favorites, Edward Holcroft, and Sophie Cookson. So there you have it. Quite an interesting cast. Mark Strong's just like my favorite guy. I don't care what he's in. I'll watch it. He's one of my faves. I do. I do like him a lot. Yeah. I mean, he was in Stardust and Kick-Ass as well as these Kingsman movies. So Matthew Vaughn definitely digs the Mark Strong. Yeah. I see that. So there's that. Uh, as far as critical reception goes, Anthony Graham from Detroit News. He says, good show, comma, lads. <laughs> so there's that. <laughs> Sometimes I think it's fun to read punctuation. <laughs> I know. Sometimes. <laughs> oh, jeez. Anyway, um, let's see here. Uh, Jake Coyle, we'll say, or Cole. <laughs> Jake Cole. Cola. And <laughs> if ever there was a semi-entertainment movie that sabotages itself with tastelessness and misogyny, this is it. I'm not sure I agree with you 100% on your critic work there, Mr. Jake Coelia. Um, I, I guess I'm missing the misogyny part because... Me too. The one person that wins the Kingsman Trials is a female. Yeah. And the ultimate badass in the movie is a female. She just fucking murders everyone. I don't uh I don't get it. The two like two of the the most badass people in this movie are female. And they're yeah. not like sexualized, I don't think in any way. In fact, no. the Kingsman girl has to wear like some crazy fox hunter outfit for a lot of it. So I'm just like I don't get it. <laughs> she looks pretty good though. Not going to lie. Yeah. No, I mean she does. She's yeah. beautiful. But I mean I maybe I don't understand. Jake's going to have to have to deep dive on that one. But uh, Debbie Lynn Elias from Behind the Lens. We like her. Expulsive, high octane, kick ass entertainment from start to finish. I like your style, Debbie. You got it going on. Uh, Nigel Andrews from Financial Times. He says Newcomer juvenile lead Taryn Edgerton uh, is handsome, bright, Welsh. Has promise. He should have moved in the direction of a good movie. <laughs> wow. Two out of five. Nigel, Jeez. you're killing me. <laughs> Breaking my Break balls, balls. Huh? <laughs> 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 yeah. Can't you see how fucking busy I am? <laughs> my goodness. That was rough. So that's sort of a, a love it or hate it. You got the 50-50 there. Um, in fact, on, on the old Rotten Tomato meter, I usually mention this. Hold, please. I had already closed out. But the critics gave it a whopping 74%. It is certified fresh. The audience score was 84%. So this is one of those times where the audience scoffs at the critics and says, quit sucking so bad. This movie is awesome. <laughs> what do the critics know? They don't know shit. They don't. I mean, uh, I mean, we could, you could argue that we are critics. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> Which is true. To a degree, but I do think that there is a problem when you have somebody that's not interested in this type of movie that goes to see it. I think if you were a subject matter expert on on action movies and you're going to see an action movie, perhaps you would enjoy this. If you're someone that wants to watch fucking Upstairs, Downstairs or Downton Abbey and you go and watch <laughs> this, then you're not 
gonna get what you thought you were gonna get out of it. So yeah, I don't know. It was shallow and pedantic. Oh yeah, <laughs> um, I got actually... my tea in my thermos. <laughs> yeah. Um, so anyway, the film had a budget of eighty-one million dollars. It's quite a lot of dollars. You can get some monster with that. Opening weekend, it did thirty-six million here in the good old United States on Valentine's weekend. It says February fifteenth, twenty fifteen. In the U.S., it grossed one hundred and twenty-eight million worldwide. You're looking at four hundred and fourteen million dollars, which was obviously good enough to warrant two sequels. Boom! Fuck that guy, whoever he is. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. It's supposed to work. It's not working. It's supposed to work. What the fuck? Love it. I do like Sam Jackson a ton. Colin Firth did eighty percent of his own stunts, according to stunt coordinator and second unit director Bradley James Allen. Many of the villains in the James Bond franchise have had some form of physical dysfunction, difference, or abnormality. Samuel L. Jackson's character of Richmond Valentine was originally intended not to have a lisp. However, Jackson completed his first take with the lisp. Matthew Vaughn yelled, cut, and he talked to Jackson, who revealed to Vaughn that, prior to having an acting career, he actually had a lisp, which he eventually overcame. It It was also jokingly remarked that the lisp is Valentine's reason for being villainous. I'll be Matthew Vaughn described this movie as a love letter to the old time Bond movies and the stylish super spy movies and television series with which he grew up with, such as the Avengers, the Ipcrest file, the prisoner, the man from uncle and in like Flint, my favorite movie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, like, I like man from uncle too. Um, Me too. by the way, I mean, aside from Austin powers, like in the Flint movie, but, um, did you see the Avengers movie that was um, like Ray Fiennes and Sean Connery and Uma Thurman? Uma Thurman, yeah, movie's fucking terrible. That's like yeah, one I, of the worst movies ever. Yeah, I didn't. I heard it was really Ooh. bad. Yeah, you could trick somebody super tough and be like, "We're watching the Avengers tonight." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Look at this thunder! This is storm. Thor's coming. The end of the movie. Yeah, it's pretty terrible. Yeah, that's what I hear. So. Um, Matthew Vaughn has said that his vision for this movie should be interpreted in terms of what Steven Spielberg wanted to do with Raiders of the Lost Ark, where Spielberg took the movie genre with which he grew up as a kid and then reinterpreted it in a modern, fresh, accessible way. Huh. Interesting. The church fight action sequence took seven days to shoot while the underwater dormitory sequence was complex and complicated to film and took around a week and a half to complete. Oof. Then finally, Taron Egerton got up to a weight of 88 kilograms, 194 pounds, and 12% body fat for this movie. He felt that it was necessary to show muscle definition if you're going to save the world. I'm like, uh, almost around that. I don't know. The weight's probably pretty similar, but (laughs) (laughs) I'm about no 12% body fat right now. (laughs) Don't say way. Um, yeah, okay, cool. So let's give a synopsis. So anyways, during a mission in the Middle East in 1997, probationary secret agent Lee Unwin sacrifices himself to protect his superior, Harry Hart. Hart, blaming himself, returns to London to give Lee's widow, Michelle, and her younger son, Gary Eggsy, a medal engraved with an emergency assistance number. 17 years later... <laughs> 911. <laughs> <laughs> 711. That's the real number. Uh, seven years later, or 17 years later, Eggsy is a stereotypical chav, having dropped out of training for the Royal Marines despite his intelligence and talents for both gymnastics and parkour. 
Hardcore parkour. Under arrest for stealing a car, Eggsy calls the number. Hart arranges his release and explains that he is a member of Kingsman, a private intelligence service founded by British elite who lost their heirs in World War One and put their money towards protecting the world. The organization is named for the tailor shop that clothed them. Hart, codenamed Galahad, explains there is a position available as Agent Lancelot was killed by the assassin Gazelle while trying to rescue university professor James Arnold from kidnappers. Eggsy becomes Hart's candidate. Merlin discovers that Professor Arnold is working as though nothing has happened. Hart attempts to interrogate him, but a microchip in Professor Arnold's neck explodes, killing him. The detonation signal is traced to a facility owned by Gazelle's employer, Richmond Valentine, an internet billionaire and philanthropist who has offered everyone in the world SIM cards that grant free cellular and internet connectivity. Hart, impersonating a billionaire philanthropist, uh, meets Valentine face to face. Other candidates are eliminated uh, through dangerous training tests run by Kingsman technical support operative Merlin until Eggsy and Roxy, a candidate Eggsy befriended, are left. Eggsy refuses to complete the final test, shooting a pug puppy he raised during the training process, and Roxy is named the new Lancelot. Hart learns of Valentine's connection to an obscure hate group's church in Kentucky and travels there, wearing glasses containing a video transceiver. As Eggsy watches Valentine activate sim the SIM cards in the church, triggering a signal that causes the parishioners to become murderously violent. Hart's spy training leaves him as the only survivor. Outside the church, Valentine explains what happened before shooting Hart in the face. Eggsy returns to the Kingsman headquarters and finds that Chester Arthur King... Uh, Chester A. Arthur, Kingsman leader, has a sc- <laughs> <laughs> um, Kingsman leader has a scar on his neck, just like Professor Arnold's. King reveals that Valentine plans to transmit the neurological wave worldwide via satellite network, believing the resulting culling of the most of most of the human race will avert its extinction via global warming. Only those Valentine has chosen will be unaffected. King tries to kill Eggsy with a poison drink, but Eggsy switches glasses with King, who poisons himself. Never trust the Thessalian. Uh, Eggsy, Merlin, and Roxy set out to stop Valentine. Roxy uses high-altitude balloons to destroy one of Valentine's satellites and breaks up the network, but Valentine secures a replacement. Merlin flies Eggsy to Valentine's base, where he masquerades as king. Eggsy is discovered by a failed Kingsman recruit, Charlie Hesketh, leading to both Eggsy and Merlin being cornered. On Eggsy's suggestion, Merlin activates the implanted chip's failsafe, killing almost everyone with the chip. Valentine activates the signal, triggering worldwide pandemonium. Eggsy kills Gazelle and uses one of her sharpened prosthetic legs to impale Valentine and kill him, stopping the signal and ending the threat. Afterwards, he shares a sexual encounter with Tildy, crown princess of Sweden, who was abducted by Valentine. In a mid-credits cutscene, Eggsy, now the new Galahad, offers his mother and half-sister a new home away from his abusive stepfather, who is knocked unconscious in the same way that Harry earlier knocked out a gangster. Manners maketh man. Cool synopsis. Thank you, Wikipedia, for all that you do. Uh, Justin, when did you first see this film, and did you enjoy it? Um, I saw it in opening weekend in 2015, and I really enjoyed it. Where was I in 2015? Um, probably, probably on a mountain or some shit. <laughs> probably like 12% body fat something. But uh, yeah, I probably was on a mountain somewhere. Um, cool. And uh, did you, you saw it in theaters, I'm assuming? Yeah. I don't think I saw this one in theaters. I think I saw this one when it came out on, on Blue Rage. And I really enjoyed it. I was like, oh, whoa, this is fun. Because I wasn't expecting it. And uh, the, the thing that people were talking about the most from it was the church scene. 
And then I, I uh, went on and jumped on that bandwagon and watched. And I really enjoyed it a lot. I still like this movie a lot. I really like the idea behind it. And I'm glad that they're, uh, well, I guess they're doing a prequel for it. But uh, I would like to see Taron Egerton back in the titular role of Eggsy, the king. Sure. And I think he wants to. Um, he was sad when he wasn't involved in the third one. And Matthew Vaughn is like, dude, this one's not your story. Just sit tight for a second. <laughs> relax <laughs> yeah um no so i'm a pretty big fan of matthew vaughn so i wanted to check it out and uh, i did not disappoint absolutely loved it it's one of my favorite action movies of the uh Ot tens Ot tens what are what are some of your favorite uh matthew vaughn films well i mean i really like stardust and i like kick ass um and i enjoyed x-men first class so i mean that's what i had going into it <laughs> if you must know yeah he doesn't have a huge huge resume but he's been doing movies for about 16 years yeah um i've never seen layer cake uh, i know he did that but I, I never watched it and then uh but i love stardust i think it's so much fun and i i definitely enjoyed kick-ass i thought that was a different kind of comic book movie you know it was just so violent mm-hmm. and i know i remember at San Diego comic-con the the thing that everyone got teased with was when uh, Nicholas Cage shoots Hit Girl, <laughs> like puts on like the bulletproof vest, and oh, they're yeah. having that conversation and everything, and then he shoots her. Uh, that's pretty great. I did like Kick Ass a lot, and I think there's a lot of similarities between Kick Ass and Kingsman. I think that, like Mark Strong said it too, he's like, this movie's going to do for Bond films, like Kick Ass did for superhero films. Sure. So sure. cool. Yeah. Well, with that, I mean, so our export, our exposure to spy films has mostly been through watching James Bond movies. I mean, that's the you say spy film, especially if you say British spy film and you think of James Bond in those movies. Bond is suave, debonair, calculated, but his fighting style and action sequences are somewhat opposite. And I don't know if it's uneventful, but, you know, they just things just happen. He's not a, he, he's not an amazing hand to hand combat guy, but uh, all those things fall into place and action is mundane. Kingsman changed that in a massive way. Not only is Eggsy rough around the edges, he uses improvisation unconventionally to achieve his goals. Vaughn used his stylistic eye to create some jaw dropping action scenes that kept the film entertaining. Justin, why is it important to break the suave secret spy trope in favor of the newer method? Do you prefer Vaughn style versus maybe the old James Bond style? Which is better? Uh, well, I think me personally, I prefer Vaughn style, but I do think that there is a place in cinema for the James Bond style. Uh, there's something that's just sort of nostalgic about it that's has this sophistication with it. Um, but I do think that that goes out the window when you consider the Daniel Craig Bonds. I think that that changed the way we view Bond films. But if you're going yeah. back to the Connery and uh, more Bonds, then it's you get that. And then like Man from Uncle, same of that nature. But um, I, I do like those spy films, but I do think they tend to to drag or uh, fail to keep me engaged from start to finish. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think that you are given the opportunity to, to feel that way with Kingsman. I think right. that there's just, it's just too fun and engaging for that to happen. And like, I, I think there's something fun about putting on an old James Bond movie and just kind of, I don't know. I mean, it's classic. It's a James Bond film, but it's not something that, 
I'd say modern audiences today who have never really seen one, you couldn't just put it on and be like, oh, is this entertaining? They probably would think, oh, it's just super slow. He's just judo chopping everyone everywhere and slappers only. But um, <clears throat> I, I think that Kingsman is definitely with the times and it fits the mold. And Matthew Vaughn just has such an, a unique way of of creating his action scenes where it's everything's pretty much sped up, but it serves a really good purpose. It's not. I guess it's the opposite of Zack Snyder where it's just slowed down for effect. This is sped up for effect. Uh, but, and they're not jarring scenes. They just, they work really well. But I do, I mean, I wonder, I, I love the idea of Daniel Craig's Bond and how, you know, that was the first time we got to see an actual uh, James Bond beat the shit out of people and just be raw, right? I mean, I think that was the biggest draw for why people say he's the he's the best iteration of him, of the character. But um, purist will say otherwise. So I and and like Sean Connery was fantastic and, you know, that's just almost acting alone. But I feel like anybody could have been James Bond if that's the case. You didn't need someone who had this this physical prowess about them. Like Egerton said, he put on a bunch of weight and got really buff for the role. And I'm sure Daniel Craig did the same. But I mean, shit, Roger Moore and, and Sean Connery are probably eating like, I don't know, steaks and smoking 12 packs of cigarettes right. a day. Right. Yeah. I think that the human body was taken care of a little bit differently back then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But I, I, I agree with you. And I actually never saw Stardust. Uh, my friend Jay, he was talking, uh, he told me I should see it. And I'm, I'm aware of the movie, but um, he said it's super good. So I'll have to check that one out. It's fun. It's a, it's a fantasy movie mm-hmm. and uh, it has a pretty fun cast too. And um, there's, a, there's another British fella that's well, I don't think he's I don't know if he's British per se, but he's in like Guy Ritchie movies and he's also in Matthew Vaughn movies. Um, and he, he's in it. And he's pretty good. <laughs> he, yeah, I think he told me he was like Gandalf, Superman, uh, Daredevil and um, the bad guy from Kick-Ass are all in it. And I was like, what? And then I looked and I'm like, oh, shit, they all are. in it. <laughs> yeah, so, there's a lot. Of, there's yeah. a lot of people that are in it. Yeah, um, including Mark Strong. And uh, it's fun. Yeah, Daredevil is the main hero. Charlie Cox? Yeah. You're the star. Uh, Claire Danes is in it. It's good. I love Claire Danes. Yeah, that's fun. Michelle Pfeiffer, she's in it. Check it out. It was crazy, though, because I remember, I talked about Sonic Geek Legacy, that uh, the Golden Compass trailer and the Stardust trailer came out like at the same time, and I yeah. thought they were the same movie. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> that's for a while. Yeah. <laughs> I, I remember that, and that's why I was like, when I saw that, I was like, what the hell? Why is this? And I heard the Golden Compass was bad. I heard it wasn't very good, I should say. But it's I know that they did different. Yeah, they did his dark materials on HBO. And that's like part of the Golden Compass or something like right. that. Right. But uh, apparently that's pretty good. There's two seasons of it. So. So um, let's talk about the elephant in the room, because I, I, I touched on it earlier. But that amazing church fight scene. Uh, you know, I personally, I'd wager that it is subjectively one of the greatest action scenes of all time. The pacing, editing, choreography, the cinematography, they all blend perfectly to create a gruesome ballet. Why is this one of the greatest action scenes, if you agree with me or not? How did you react when you first saw it, Justin? Sure. Uh, so this is another one that we talk about this on the Geek Legacy podcast a couple times where uh, I think a bulk of us on that show do feel that this is the best action scene, at least in, in recent memory. Uh, it has just sort of cranked up the amp and uh, it's up the ante and uh, just kind of cranked up the action factor up to 11 and, and having someone like Colin Firth, who you wouldn't normally recognize as like an action star, just murdering <laughs> people in this scene 
it, it looks so real. It looks so fun. You got the awesome music playing. It's like, uh, it's, it's like Freebird or something like Freebird. that. Freebird, yeah. yeah. And um, it's just, it's so fucking cool, man. It's so badass. And he's getting hurt. And he keeps getting stabbed or punched or exploded. <laughs> just all kinds of weird shit's <laughs> happening. And just the rage has gone through. And then it cuts away to other people seeing what's happening and yeah. they're kind of having the same thoughts that we're having. <laughs> we're just like, Holy shit, <laughs> this is incredible. And uh, Matthew Vaughn's really good at, at throwing gratuitous violence at you, but more of a, Oh my God kind of way. Instead <laughs> yeah. of like, uh, instead of like, a, Ew, that's gross. I can't turn my head. It's more, I want to watch the train wreck. You know, it's, it's yeah. different. I don't know how he pulls that off, but he has a, he has a fun way of doing it. Even so, like at, at the end when everyone's head's exploding, it's not just blood and guts and gore. It's more of a jubilation. It's like fireworks yeah. and yeah. fun shits happening. And you're just like, oh, you're just watching half the world die. And it's it's like a celebration, which is interesting. Yeah, they're playing like Ode to Joy or something as the heads are just exploding in these little plume clouds are <laughs> right. going up. And they're all colored, different colors. So, yeah. But that so you're right that that's it was one of those fight scenes that you just can't look away and you can't blink because I mean, I've seen it probably I've seen this movie probably five or six times. And and just this viewing I had today, my favorite little part, he does he does some amazing stuff in it. But my favorite little part is when he kicks over uh, the benches and then they kind of domino and it pushes over like four or five people and he just runs on those and jumps and punches somebody. And it's just so it's so ridiculous to even think about that because I imagine myself in a fight like that and I would just start swinging my arms and I, would, I wouldn't know what to do. But right. Uh, There's yeah. also like when he someone's about to stab him and he blocks it with like the Bible or something. Yeah. And then he stabs somebody <laughs> with it. Then he hits another guy. Then he takes the knife out of the guy that he hit and stabs the other guy with it. And he's just reusing the same weapon like over and over and over again. And I think that's so cool. And and he did that in in uh, X-Men first class where Magneto stabs a guy, throws the knife pulls it back with his magnetic powers and then stabs the guy again. I thought that was, yeah, that was really cool. So I'm, I'm into that. Anytime you can reuse somebody else's weapon multiple times, it always just comes off really cool. Right. And I mean, it's, it was so uh, symbiotic with, with how the music played with, with the chaos of, cause I mean, Freebird is such a slow song to start out. It's a super long song, but then that whole part was, was basically the middle of it and the, and the climax of the song. But um, it just was added to all this chaos. And uh, it was funny that it was this hate church. So it wasn't, you didn't feel as bad maybe that they were killing each other cause they were killing each other, but <laughs> it still right. was pretty awful. Um, my favorite kill was probably at the very end when he grabs the flagpole and stabs the pastor in the uh, through the through the fucking chin and it goes through his head. I was that was gross. That was so yeah. gross. But but I, I really liked that a lot. Um, I like how so many of those people brought guns to church. I know. I was thinking about that, too. I was like, wait, is that his gun? I'm like, oh, no, we're in the South. We're in Kentucky. It's <laughs> it's fine. I understand. So that's how they um, do shit. If you did that in 2020, I bet everybody would be strapped. Fuck. So, um, yeah, but I, I, I totally think that it's one of the, the best action scenes we've seen in film. And I know that he tried to top it in, in Kingsman Two, the golden circle, uh, with the diner scene at the end when they were, they're fighting, uh, what's his name? Pedro Pascal. Uh, but that, that was impressive, but it just wasn't this, it didn't have the same weight as this did. And I know it's really hard to make bigger and better on sequels, but I still think they did a really good job. 
Sure. So I've only seen the second one once, and I saw it in theaters. I own it. I just haven't watched my copy that I made. Or not that I made, but I bought on, like, whatever movie codes, HD movie codes. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I just haven't gotten around to rewatching it. And uh, But I remember enjoying it in the theater. It just, I don't know, for whatever reason, I haven't. I have watched Kingsman, like, two or three times since the second one came out, and I have only watched it once. It's crazy. Yeah, I like the second one. It got a lot of shit, um, but I really enjoyed it. And it's got your your boyfriend, Pedro Pascal, in it. He's uh, He plays a pretty awesome role. And it's got uh, Jeff Bridges in it, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's yeah. a cowboy. Yeah. yeah. But um, no, I enjoy that one a lot. And it has Julianne Moore, and Elton John has a really fantastic cameo. So, right. yeah. Yeah. He's a screamer. There you go. So, Justin, if if uh, some handsome man in a suit approached you and told you that you were meant to be a spy, would you be able to rise to that occasion? Uh, let's say the physical stuff was a gimme, right? Let's just say you could do all these backflips and beat up people in church. Uh, do you think you would have the confidence and drive to fully embrace the life of a Kingsman? No, I don't. I don't want to hurt people. I'm just not my jam, so I don't think what I could if, do it. What if they're bad though? I mean, somebody can hurt them, but I, it, it is just not in my nature to inflict pain or violence to another human being. It's not something I can do. You could be Merlin then. You could, you, you could be the, the guy in the chair. Yeah, I could be the behind the scenes guy for sure, but I could never actually inflict pain on somebody. What about emotional pain? You could be Merlin and just hurl, hurl emotional comments. <laughs> hurt them through my sing song. The, um, I stabbed a guy once and I felt really bad and now I don't want to do it ever again. Oh, shit. Yeah, it was bad. Damn, bro. I think yeah. the cops are on their way to your house right now. <laughs> I, I've already gotten in trouble, so I'm, I'm good. Wait, was uh, was the person you stabbed yourself when you used your sword and you cut your leg open? No, 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 no. I, st- I stabbed another human being, and uh, I told them not to do something. They insisted on doing it, so I stabbed them. Woo. Crazy, yeah. man. It yeah. was crazy. I held down their leg and stabbed their leg like eight times. Oh boy! <laughs> True story. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, I was so mad at this guy, and uh, I took anger management, and I learned to deal with my problem. But uh, now I don't want to hurt anybody. <laughs> it's, it's it's Drew now. They call me Drew. Yeah, at, at anger management. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, dude. I don't know. I don't know what it is with kids when, like, um, you know, when you're because I was in high school, and this guy and uh, he, <laughs> his name is Chris and he put his leg on my desk and I said hey don't do that and he's like uh, okay so I pushed his leg off and then he did it again and I was like really dude don't do this I, you're, gonna, you're gonna you're asking for it and and he put his leg down and then I put my arm on on my desk and then I was using my arm as a pillow and then he put his foot on my desk one more time so I grabbed him by the leg and I grabbed my I had my pencil in my hand and I held his leg down and I and I was like literally screaming, I told you not to do that, you dumb motherfucker. As I'm just going up and down in like psycho ying 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 kind of motion. He's screaming bloody murder. My pencil's all bloody. And uh, my our teacher, Mr. Martinez, grabs me and throws me off of him. And uh, he's like, what the hell are you doing? I'm like, I told him not to put his leg on my desk. And he did it. <laughs> <laughs> True story. Yeah. And uh Crazy enough, I was actually being honored as the most outstanding sophomore <laughs> at my school <laughs> that week. I had to go off to a leadership conference. Oh, man. And you know what the oh. thing is? Here's the thing. So when first day of class, 
the teacher sat us alphabetically. And I said, sir, I appreciate your efficiency in, in our seat assignments, but you should know that me and this gentleman here do not get along. And he's <laughs> like, well, try and work it out. I'm like, okay, I told you. We made it all the way to the second to last week of school without causing any sort of harm to each other. And, I, and then I lost it. Couldn't take it anymore. <laughs> Fucking guy. <laughs> so anyway, um, no, I couldn't be a spy. I, I don't, I can't hurt anybody. Remind me to never put my leg up on your desk ever. Well, again. <laughs> you can, but if I tell you not to do it, then I ask that you respect my wishes. I'm going to put both legs up at that point. Then. Oh, man, they're coming off. <laughs> so I told him, get your oh. fucking hands off me before I chop them up. <laughs> so, uh, wow, I didn't know that. That's crazy. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, so I think me, if someone said that to me, like if they were... Someone came up and it was a Colin Firth-like character. I think I could do it. Uh, I think I might have some some struggle about it, but I'm <laughs> yeah, not the whole kill killing people. Yeah, yeah I'm nothing really. I, nothing really tying me down right now. I'm not married. I have no kids. I don't have pets. I mean, I can I can kind of move around wherever I want. So I think it'd be fun. Plus, you get to drive fun cars and have uh, nice clothing. I enjoy those. But so we you kind of touched on it earlier, too, about talking about Colin Firth and the church scene and how he's just kind of a Joe everybody. But Colin Firth is traditionally known as a dramatic and sometimes comedic actor, yet he does a highly impressive job as a full fledged action star. We have seen dramatic actors make the jump to action star to action star role several times before Chris Pratt, Will Smith, Robert Downey Jr., and most recently, Camille Nanjiani. Uh, hopefully we'll see how he, how he works out. Uh, why does this seem to work so often? Is action just really that easy to do? Who would potentially, who would you potentially like to see in the next action role? Ooh, I don't know, man. I, uh, I don't know if I have an answer for you. On that one. <laughs> <laughs> so I think, so for me, I, I look at movies where, so Arnold Schwarzenegger, Oh, sorry, go ahead. Well, I, I mean, I was just going to say like, I don't think that it's easy by any stretch of the imagination, I think that it depends on who is behind the camera to make who's in front of the camera uh, look really, really good. So, you know, yeah, it comes with awesome acting chops, but I think that, um, you know, you mentioned like Chris Pratt, right? Or, or Will Smith. It was, I think it was how awesome those movies were that they were in that helped right. kind of sell that role. And, you know, they, they did a really, 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 really good job. Uh, you know, they have the, the acting chops. They have what it takes to, to execute it, but they also need the support from everyone else behind the camera to make it happen. Right. And I actually really don't like Chris Pratt at all. Uh, I don't think he's very good. I think he's funny, but after Guardians of the, Guardians of the Galaxy, he kind of just pissed me off. And so I'm not sold on him as an action star, um, but you, I think you're right. It, it's, it just kind of depends. His His characters weren't, he didn't have a ton of physicality like he wasn't doing a bunch of stunts and everything. Um, I mean, that I can really think of Will Smith, I feel, did more stunts than he did, probably. And then RDJ did a lot of stuff because he was typically that, you know, I mean, less than zero drug addict, dramatic actor, Cider House rules. He did a lot of comedy, too. He did uh, do some comedy. 80s, he did a lot of comedy. Same with the oh, movies, yeah, I suppose. I he's think he was in weird, weird Science, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. He was, a, he was a bad guy in Weird Science. So, yeah, he is a funny guy. And and But it was nice to see him in an action role. And, I mean, Camille Nanjiani, same thing. Like, he's the comedian, and then he just got jacked for uh, The Eternals. 
and that's I think that's going to be interesting to see how how it plays out. But I think what I what I'm trying to get at is you, you see action stars who who are just born and bred action stars like Arnold Schwarzenegger, right? And a lot of people think he is not a good actor. But then he started doing movies like Twins, and Twins is hilarious. Um, he's great in it. Uh, same thing with like Jingle All the Way. He's not going to win any Oscars, but I think it, that goes to show that he still has good acting chops. So I think it's for me, though, I feel like it's once you kind of solidify yourself as that action star, that's what you're known for. And that's what it is. And then you can kind of uh, dip your toes in other things. I just don't know if it's the other way. If you've already kind of solidified yourself as a quote unquote softy with like a bunch of dramatic roles, because I never would have thought of Colin Firth as an action star. If that makes any sense. Sure. I mean, it makes perfect sense. Yeah, he wasn't. He wasn't an action star. He was he was, you know, your. Your run of the mill. We got this dramatic movie. Who's available? Colin Firth. Let's do it. You know, um, yeah. These uppity. Not I want to say pretentious, but you know, like the movies that are gonna win or at least be nominated for Academy Awards and stuff like that. That's just who he was. He's who a, he he's is a critic darling, but mm-hmm. we well, and I think this role is actually tailored, no pun intended, uh, perfectly to him because of how the Kingsmen operate. They're gentlemen. They all dress very well. Uh, they're uh, aside from the young, the young chaps who are all, uh, trying to be Kingsmen and, and Roxy, um, you know, they're all in really good shape. And I'm not saying that the older Kingsmen aren't in good shape, but they're just kind of, they're, they're very much that old school James Bond style. And so maybe, Maybe that's kind of what Matthew Vaughn was implying. Maybe that was a, a little microcosm for for the genre he was going at or a little play that he was going where it's this old guard who you have your Michael Caines and your, your great British actors who look like they have steak every day. And again, a lot of cigarettes or something. But you instead you, you're juxtaposed with these very in shape, good looking young uh, people who are who are going to probably take over. So, right. So he yeah. ta- he. uh Michael Caine mentions that, you know, at the beginning when he says, uh, you know, don't forget to submit your membership candidate or whatever, and mm-hmm. you'll find a suitable person this time. And he's like, uh, Harry, who is Colin Firth, he's like, you know, 17 years and still evolving with the times remains entirely for a foreign concept to you. And, um, you know, he's saying that uh, basically we need a new breed of Kingsmen. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the world's changing and the reason why the aristocrats develop a weak ch- and and there's a reason why aristocrats develop weak chins. Yeah. You know, you got to keep up with the times. No, that makes sense. So and I, I think I think that right there is um, is a commentary on the film is what he's trying to say is this ain't your your, your father's Kingsman. Yeah. This, is your, this ain't your daddy's action movie. Yeah. But um, I, I think it's it's interesting because I'm trying to think of anybody who I would like to see maybe jump over to that. So um, like a really dramatic actor who might be able to do it. Uh, I, you know, Daniel Day Lewis for he's one of the, the best actors of our time, I think. And in Last of the Mohicans, I'd consider that an action role, right? Sure. I mean, unless you wouldn't. But I think I mean, Lincoln I, was an action I, I movie. Think, I think that there. <laughs> yeah. Last of the Mohicans. That's a tough one because it's a period piece. It's very dramatic. There's some very heavy themes going on. There's a, it's a war movie for sure. And, um, you know, he's running. The dude's running, 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 running. He's like Tom Cruise in this movie. He's just running everywhere. 
and he's picking up muskets, he's firing muskets, he's picking up the dead guy's muskets and still moving <laughs> forward. Yeah. Uh, he is a busy little bee in that movie. He runs across <laughs> the entire you know New England states, and um, it's impressive. Yeah, I guess it's an action movie. It's a different kind of action movie, though. I think period pieces lend themselves to a different sort of action movie, like like Glory, for example. You know, it's like yeah. it's a period piece, and there's a lot of action sequences. Um, you know, but they're not hopping over cars and blowing up buildings. It's it's firing, taking two minutes to reload, and then firing again, and yelling and screaming, and run across them with your musket type thing. So it's right. a different kind of action, but for sure, yeah. uh, I think that it counts. So, I mean, I, I think one example that just came to mind too, and he's just so young, but he's been in a lot of uh, really good movies and he's done some really good work. But Timothy Chalamet, who is going to be Paul Atreides in Dune, I think that that will be, we'll see some more action from him. I just, I, I'm I'm wondering though, if maybe I'm kind of getting lost on my own words where I'm looking for... Like Colin Firth, I think, still did some of his stunts. And what I mean is like just the choreography of the fight. But there are certain action stars like Eddie Murphy in his action movies. Did he do you remember if he really fought or was it kind of just one punch and you're no, done or just he, no was, he was dancing? He was doing the neutron dance. But yeah, yeah, it was mostly bang, bang, shoot him up. He didn't get in too many fights. So we would, would you consider him an, an action star in that sense? Eddie sure. Murphy? I mean, I think if you got a gun and you go boom, 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 then you're an action star. <laughs> boom, 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 boom. That's <laughs> that a bang, bang, bang. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, I do think that it's it's hard to say. Like, I I don't know of any. I think Colin Firth is unique because he is only done at you know soft comedic roles and and dramas, and then to put him in this position was unique. I can't, I don't I can't think of too many other people that would be able to that that are a good fit for that. Um right. so it is it is kind of tough. It's hard to say. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, just, I, yeah. I don't have I don't have an answer for you. No, I know. Um, I know it's, it's just it's mind-bottling. It bottles the mind. But I mean I think like uh uh, what what is it? Um, Mahershala Ali doing Blade. I think that's um, that's sort of different for him. Uh, oh he, yeah, he's mostly doing um, dramatic roles. Well, he was in. If you ever saw um, Predators, the one with um, oh, that's right. Name? Yeah, and he, but he he's not he's not in it for super long. He's actually pretty big in that movie, but like. Yeah, he doesn't do much fighting. Yeah, I'm, he's like I'm, Mombasa or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I'm super excited for Blade because I think he's just such a phenomenal actor, and it's so so. You know, that's probably what it could what could happen is is you could take this movie where it it just might be a mindless action movie, as some people think, and you can really give a Oscar winning actor he's won two freaking Oscars, um, put him in a role, and maybe it'll just jazz it up that much more. Uh, Fossbender kind of did that with he tried to do that with Assassin's Creed, but I heard that movie wasn't very good. But well, he was in 300 as well. That is true. I guess that's where I really first saw him. Yeah. Yeah. He's kind of that, that blend of both, though. I yeah, like he, he kind of does it all. <laughs> yeah. I really actually I think one of my favorite characters of his was Steve Jobs. I think he was just spot oh, yeah, on I love that movie. It, it was, was awesome. very, very good. I mean, it was an Aaron Sorkin joint, basically. But yeah, yeah so um, 
Cool. Yeah. So I have this theory uh, that this this film, Kingsman, is kind of an homage to films like uh, Men in Black. You know, there's a savvy vet that recruits a young man with potential, yet he doesn't fit into the paradigm of a prestigious secret club with ridiculous gadgets. The recruit ends up coming into his own and saves the day when push comes to shove, though. Can you think of any other movies similar to the plot of Kingsman, where it's this kind of ragamatag bunch or person or whatever, and they have to do extraordinary things to save the day? I'd say it's Star Wars probably counts. (laughs) (laughs) Luke Skywalker is saying like Dustin Crop's boy. You don't believe in the force, do you? <laughs> I'm, I'm pilot. And I'm so, <laughs> um, I think that that counts to a degree because he's a farm boy that an old guy sees has potential and could do it, um, you know, based on his gene pool, uh, much in the same vein as uh, Eggsy. His dad was, uh, you know, competitive in the, in the Kingsman game. Uh, of course, he didn't make it, and, but he was close. And so I think that that's that's something. Um, Jack Ryan would probably be a good candidate. You know, we mentioned him earlier. He's an analyst that gets thrown into the field and has to learn pretty quickly how to survive and save the world at the same time, which is kind of strange for him. You know, <laughs> it's like, OK, wait a minute. I'm just an analyst. I'm just a an analyst. What am I supposed to do? Um, so I think that that's. That's kind of a good one. I mean, even something, I mean, as far as just sort of fish out of water or, or something to that nature, I think that that play always plays pretty well, whether they're just an underdog or someone that's just outside of their normal scope that gets thrown into something. Uh, even like um, Charlize Theron in um, Atomic Blonde. You know, yeah, she's mm-hmm. a fucking badass, but, you know, she's doing this job that she wouldn't normally do. Uh, but she's already a badass, you know, but she just has this unorthodox way of just pounding fucking face. And, yeah. uh, you know, she's more brute force than Rico Suave as far as like Bond goes. But, you know, she's she's getting the job done and right. she isn't like who they would normally go to to do something like this. Uh, I, I don't think Jason Bourne necessarily counts because he is too busy trying to figure out who he is. Maybe if we got to see him on missions, <laughs> that might be different. Yeah. But yeah. um he was brainwashed into being this super soldier slash spy guy, but we never, we get to see the effects of the brainwashing, but we just never really get to see him go on any honest to goodness spy adventures, you know? Mm-hmm. So, but I mean, you know, you mentioned Arnold earlier, like, Arnold, you know, in true lies, he's playing Harry Tasker and he's this government super spy and all these things. And, uh, he's this big, fucking six foot something 300 pound dude just (laughs) blending in come on give me a break i don't think so like that's one of the best action movies ever and i love that movie so much but i mean if you saw some big ass fucker like arnold schwarzenegger (laughs) walk into a room are you just gonna think that he belongs i'm here to fix your computer (laughs) i'm an analyst (laughs) it's just a little weird so you're just like all right whatever i'll buy into it but um, as far as like the honest to goodness old guy that's needs to pass the torch on, um, you know, it's hard to say. Right. But, uh, there was a, yeah, I, I did, I did think of men in black a lot when I was, when I was watching this and I was just trying to think of other movies. Uh, I couldn't really think of any off the top of my head. I'll probably think after the podcast. But, yeah. Um, it's always that way, right? It's always that way. But, uh, but I mean, it's definitely been done before this type of plot line. So to uh, to follow up on that, though, uh, so this isn't an original idea for the plot structure, but it works very well. 
it's, uh, you know, the rough around the edges, like you were saying, fish out of water, rookie, does what it takes to rise to the occasion and become something great. Why is Kingsman so good? Like, what makes it stand out as opposed to that other plot that we've seen? Uh, so I think that the the music, for one, it, it starts off showing you that you're going to have a good time. You know, there's the rock music playing, the fun credits with the rubble and explosions. Yeah. Uh, there's the hardcore parkour black backflip gainer off the fridge box kind of stuff. <laughs> there's um, leapfrog, leapfrog. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, it's just it's fun. You know, they steal the car at the beginning. They nick the car, and um, I think that there's this the silliness factor that makes it, it it sets the tone that you are in for an adventure as opposed to this. I have to pay attention to this plot or I'm going to get lost when all you really need to do is just sit back and have a good time. Cause I think that's exactly what this movie is. And so it doesn't get lost on all these crazy plot points. It takes you through the plan of the bad guy from start to finish. He's even in, you know, talking to fucking the president of the United States at one point, you know, telling yeah. you this is what <laughs> needs to be done. So you just, you're along for the ride. There's no surprises as it were. The only real surprise is what comes after the church scene. And right. you're like, oh shit. So it just it's like in bad boys, it just shit just got real. Right. And so you're like, uh now you gotta figure out how this is all gonna play out. But you know, there's there's a lot of little weird red herrings, but they're immediately revealed like how there's this danger during their training. Mm-hmm. And the find out that the girl didn't really drown or that he did have a working parachute or that they're not going to get run over by trains. And, um, you know, it's, there was always sort of the safety net. And I think that worked for the audience too, to see that, that this was something that it is a real test, but the consequences aren't necessarily there. Even the shooting of the dog, you know, I would never in a million years take a chance and shoot at my dog. And that would be terrible. And so, I think that seeing that with Eggsy, he is very relatable. We are like the Eggsy, like, you know, we're the ones that are living our normal lives that were all of a sudden given this opportunity. And everyone that's in that training class is, is very much akin to that sort of thing. They're all Ivy League school graduates, and he never really got that chance. And it just goes to show that, you know, opportunity is so limited. And when anybody can finally get that chance, you know, they really have an opportunity to shine. But getting the opportunities is the hardest part right yeah and every everything was like a test and and you think about that too i mean just the entire time it was all a test and i think that that was fun because it made us start to question things after we saw a few of them where we're like oh maybe he did have a parachute oh she didn't die we start to kind of question everything in the existence of that world but no i agree so i think that's why it all works (laughs) yeah yeah it was uh, it was pretty meta. The film was. I, I I enjoyed that. They even called out about like James Bond when when Valentine and Galahad were eating their McDonald's dinner. They were talking about like the James Bond movies. He's like, oh man, I always wanted to be a spy. And he's like, oh yeah, the villains they are so narrow minded or something like that. Um, I thought that that was really fun. But and yeah, was, and even yeah. even his dog, he's like JB. Like, and he's like, oh, after James Bond? No. Jack Bauer? Oh, no, no. Then he's like, uh, Jason Bourne. He's like, no. And then he's like, Jack Bauer. Ah, Jack Bauer. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I'm Jack Bauer. I'm Jack Bauer. Yeah. 
So, um, so the suit, the suit is a modern gentleman's armor and the Kingsmen wear some pretty classy suits. Part of the rules to be a gentleman is to dress, uh, oops, is to dress impeccably well. I know that just like me, you love fashion, Mr. Cavender. What is it about putting on nice clothes like a suit that make us feel extraordinary? What happens to you when you dress well? And do you think you can accomplish more or gain more confidence? Sure. I love dressing up. I think it's so much fun and it puts a smile on my face. I definitely feel confident. I always walk with my head held high when I'm dressed nice because I know that I'm the best dressed person in the room and I love that. <laughs> Unless I'm there. Yeah. <laughs> then then you... I'm the fattest person, the fattest dress, best dressed person in the room. Uh, but I, I, I just love, yeah, there, there's this time where I was just buying suits. I was just like, oh yeah, I look good in this. I'm going to buy it. Um, <laughs> I just think it's fun. And uh, I don't know. I, just, I think people take you more seriously when you're well-dressed. Uh, you know, someone once told me, don't dress for the job that you have, dress for the job that you want to have. And so that resonated with me. And I just always want to look professional. Girls go crazy about a shop dress, man. <laughs> right. I mean, even if we talked about this on the show, too, where I just I get dressed every day. Like, I don't, it's yeah. hard for me to just lounge in my fucking PJs. I can't do it. I got to get up, take a shower. Put, run some product through my hair and, and be ready to go. And uh, I don't want someone to say you clean up nicely. I want them only to see me cleaned up. Right. I agree. I, I wholeheartedly agree. It's I, I own a good amount of suits and I almost bought one today, actually, because it was on sale. So <laughs> do I need it? Nah, debatable. But um, I really right. do. I really do like dressing up. And fall is actually my favorite time of year because I can layer up. And sometimes it just feels good to put on clothes that fit well, that you just have like a good hair day and all that kind of stuff. Um, and one of the most powerful things you can get is a compliment from somebody. It just and I mean, I've really tried my best to as I've gotten older in life to just try to compliment people on on ridiculous things because you never know what kind of day they're having. That one compliment could completely do a 180 for them. And so I think that wearing suits, I mean, you'll see a lot of my profile pictures are me in a suit because I will relish in any opportunity I can to to put one on. Um, every time I go to Vegas, I always bring a suit because I do at least one night of real fancy dressing. And then everyone's always like, oh, you look like Clark Kent or oh, you look like Eggsy. And I'm just like, uh, OK, buy me a drink. So um, it's 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 it's, it's <laughs> fun. Yeah. And then T-Pain starts to play. Yeah, it's really let's fun. Get going. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in love with the stripper. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I totally think that I, I gain a ton of confidence with it. And I would absolutely love to be part of the Kingsman, even as a data analyst, so I could have a pretty bitchin' suit. Um, I've never had a tailored suit. Have you? Uh-huh. Oh, how does it how does it feel? Great in the legs and underarms. Ooh. See, so that's what uh that's what I'm I'm looking at. And I think that would be great. I just gotta make sure I maintain the same shape of body. <laughs> so sure. so I, I am in yeah. love with the shape of your body. <laughs> I forgot about that one. It's a good one. <laughs> I know Alex hates it. <laughs> oh, more than you will ever know. Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think that uh, it, it, it's interesting that they make the suit their armor. It's almost their costume. You know, it's their Superman's cape, basically. Mm -hmm. But I mean, even um, look at John Wick, right? Like he goes to a tailor and gets this awesome looking oh, suit. Oh, that's true. Yeah, uh, and it's just part of the job, man. Got to look good, and it helps when it's bulletproof. 
<laughs> yeah, I was gonna say I fucking love in John Wick two where they expand on the world a little more, and you know they go he goes to Italy and they he goes to the tailor and then he goes to the the guy who was oh, the the what do you call him the wine vintner guy or whatever and he's like for yeah. for dessert we have the spinelli or whatever but yeah, they, no, how they great. line the suit and everything is just so incredible because you know that's like a five thousand dollar suit and then they're just adding like Kevlar to it <laughs> so it's pretty badass but something about somebody killing me in a suit i'm just like i'm not even mad dude like you yeah you, you go get it you go glenn coco but um <laughs> so this movie peter, uh peter serafinowitz is his name uh the guy who is like the Benelli. yeah oh he also plays uh he's in a lot of stuff he's like in yeah. guardians of the galaxy he's the He's the one that gets the dick note or whatever. And uh, oh, yeah. he just doesn't like Rocket. He's in um, Shaun of the Dead. Um, he's in the movie with Couples Retreat. Couples Retreat, yeah. yeah. His name is Leslie or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, So this movie, it relies heavily on breaking the stereotypes of a classic spy film, like I talked about earlier. It's, uh, it's meta commentary addresses consistent trends we have seen throughout espionage film while still, in fact, using many of those common tropes in Kingsman. Just like in our Scream episode, reinventing the genre and creating a meta plot line seems to be the new trend for changing our old genres. Is this really the only way to reboot said genres? What genre of film could benefit well from this? And did it annoy you in this movie? Does that kind of make sense, that question? Yeah, sure. Um, So it did not annoy me at all. And I think what the meta aspect does is it shows like the players, all the cards in the hand. And so like by doing so, we know what's coming. Mm -hmm. And we know that these tropes, you know, we know that there's these tropes in like spy movies or in the case of Scream horror movies. And more importantly, you know, we know it's a winning hand. So by identifying all the wit and the charms that come with these films, you know, we are on some level not only accepting, but we're also loving them. You know, it's it's what made these films so successful. And sometimes we just need a reminder. So, no, it doesn't it doesn't annoy me at all. Um, sometimes I need a reminder uh, just as much as everyone else like. Why am I watching this spy movie when I know it's going to happen? But when you poke fun at it, it just it shows you like, yep, that's why I love it. That's is right. why I'm here. So but I think as far as as far as which genre it works best for, I think that just the, the horror genre in, in particular, I, I don't want to see it over and over and over again. But right. when the time comes or it's appropriate, I think it makes sense. Same with action movies, too. You know, it's like uh, when you make fun of like even in Die Hard, uh, Live Free or Die Hard, when he was like, you just killed that helicopter with your car. <laughs> it's like, okay. <laughs> when they're identifying how ridiculous it is in the movie, then you just, you're, you know that it's okay to enjoy it and laugh at it. Right. Uh, and, and I think, I think you're right. I think it kind of releases that tension to where it's like, Oh, we're all in on this because I did like when they were, when they were monologuing essentially. And at the end, when he kills Valentine, he says that, you know, is this where you you give the really bad pun? He's like, no, sorry, bro. This is this isn't that kind of movie. Um, so I, I like that. But then the, then they jump right to he ends up going back to the princess and he gets the girl at the end. I mean, that's how most Bond films end, right? Where he's he ends up with the, with the gal at the end, and it's just kind of they did a lot of the same stuff while also making it different and inventive. Um, I mean, I, I'm, I'm such a sucker for gadget scenes. Like I was just talking about the John Wick part, but I mean, I love when they went into dressing room number three and they find all those cool gadgets. Um, that was really cool. 
but it's I think it's it's just a healthy blend of old and new that you can do when you call it out. So right. Um, and in and it was his it was his poison shoe that that got her. Yeah, exactly. It was all purposeful. And in Kick Ass, uh, Kick Ass does the same kind of thing where he's he wants to be this awesome hero and his first outing against those, those uh, thugs, they beat the shit out of him. And he's like, right. he, he's like, it still hurts really bad. And he just gets his ass handed to him. It's not, he goes in and saves the day. Like even when he pulls out his nightsticks, he beats them, he beats them up, but they still beat the shit out of him. And um, it, it's just a lot different. And they call that out. They call it that vigilante bullshit. So. Yeah. I'm not wearing hockey pants. I'm not wearing hockey pants. <laughs> Love that. Oh, movie. totally. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah. Kick Ass is hard to watch sometimes. I know. You just like the bone crunching sounds. It's it's brutal. And then yeah. like when Nicolas Cage is on fire and you're just oh. like, oh my God, I hate this. Everything that guy that's in like the microwave. Mm-hmm. That's another movie I quote too when like when someone has a coat with a lot of buttons. I always go, look at all them buttons. <laughs> <laughs> guys like i feel ridiculous what are you talking about you look sharp look at all them buttons (laughs) i haven't seen that movie in a long time i should see that again but i mean especially after this get on the on the matthew vaughn kick the matthew vaughn train sure i think stardust is on something it's on netflix or (laughs) or prime i see it all the time i don't know but it's a good movie i think western genres could probably benefit from this too just if you wanted to reinvigorate it um i don't know if django really does any of the meta stuff but Django was just a completely different I mean it's Tarantino to start but it's that was just a completely different style of western so yeah that one's tough man because there's there's a lot going on in that, <laughs> that uh, movie the music's a little crazy because you just all of a sudden you get like Tupac or something you got like the twangy western music and then all of a sudden you got some rap stuff and it just change it it has a certain tonal shift it's hard to keep up with at times. And it's it while it is a Western, it doesn't necessarily identify as a Western because of those other things. Yeah. And I don't really know. I mean, there's a ton of tropes you could use, but it, it, I, I think Django still embraces those for what they are. But you're right. It, it kind of does that. It's got hip hop. It has ridiculous physical comedy where someone exits a scene, like when he says, say goodbye to Miss whatever her name is. And then, um, yeah. yeah. Miss Laura or whatever. Miss Laura. Yeah. Just because like guns don't do that. Like no matter what. <laughs> <She's>, like, <laughs> yeah. That's like a Robert Rodriguez death where she just goes Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So it was uh, it's good. But I mean, I think that's that that formula worked really, really well for this. Um, I think he kind of abandoned it a bit more in the second one and just continued on with this. And so maybe that's why people didn't like it as much. But I'm not really sure why people didn't like the second one as much. I don't know. It's hard to please everybody. You know, I barely remember. I remember uh, Julianne Moore is the bad guy. I remember her grinding mm-hmm. up a dude and mm-hmm. someone's got to eat him. And then I remember like sort of like this Ruby's 50s cafe kind of thing. And yeah, I, I remember uh, like a ski resort type place. And I don't really remember what the point of the movie was. <laughs> I know that there's a whiskey factory and i know that they're bringing people back and they're experimenting on things but i really don't remember what the end game was in that movie yeah it involved uh drugs and julianne moore is a drug dealer Uh, she was working with the u.s government on something where she could distribute 
drugs and they wouldn't stop people from using them. But these drugs had, uh, they were these, it was like this mind controlling function or something, or I believe it just killed them after a certain amount of time. And she basically was holding the world hostage. It was really interesting. That's what it was. Yeah. And people were like in cages and they're, yeah, they need to get like their fix or whatever. Yeah. Well, you, yeah, you die after a certain amount of time and the government was, pretty gnarly they were like we're not gonna deal with terrorists but then they just had all these people who were pretty much gonna die they they didn't give them any medical um help they just locked them up in cages basically right it's pretty messed up mom a drug addict yeah she uh she tried some of it i think it was just weed honestly i'm just yeah it was something easy right like it's not like they weren't like snorting or (laughs) wetting paper towels and shoving them up their (laughs) cavities or anything it was like an everyday type drug i thought King's foil. It's a weed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I got to watch it again. It's been a yeah. while. So, but um, yeah, I, uh, I, I totally, I, I think it worked. The meta aspect worked very, very well for this. But um, I, that's all I really have about King to say about Kingsman. Um, what, uh, what letter grade do you give it? I give this movie an A, Zach. I love this movie from start to finish. How many times have you seen it? Uh, probably like five. Yeah. I think that's about I'm like five or six. Yeah, I'm also an A. Um, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, like, there's a there's a handful of movies where if someone hasn't seen before, I'm like, oh, we got to watch it and I'll put it on. And Kingsman is one of them. I think Fury Road is one and Dread is probably the other. It's like those three action movies are like, oh, my God, you haven't seen it. Let's watch it right now. I am the law. Mm-hmm. I just think that they're different enough and exciting enough and and someone that might have been on the fence about watching it would then be convinced and then they'll go tell two of their friends who will then go tell two of their friends. And then I got this whole pyramid, pyramid scheme, scheme going on. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you're thinking. It's not a pyramid scheme. Yeah. <laughs> Calling cards are the way of the future. <laughs> I wonder if I can get a refund. Um <laughs> Yeah, I I agree. It's one of those movies that I am shocked if someone doesn't like it. And I think if someone says they don't like it, they're either just trying to be uh, contradictory just for the sake of being contradictory or they flat out didn't like it, which is is very rare to find. It's just like a fun movie to watch. So, right. I as of right now, I have yet to come across a human being that didn't like it until I read those Rotten Tomato reviews. So. Uh, I am you are of course you're allowed not to like it I just probably will never understand why you don't like it (laughs) yeah yeah fuck that guy whoever he is (laughs) (laughs) it's not working it's supposed to work what the fuck I know I say that shit all the time oh man and then video games um, work (laughs) totally when um, Casey and the Sunshine Band comes on at the end like that's their celebratory music oh yeah when uh, after the heads are exploding you know they're supposed to be celebrating this new world and oh my god I love it yeah Sophia Batella is is gorgeous too oh yeah so we should talk about let's talk about her really fast like sure that a whole like a lot of Bond villains tend to have something weird about them. You know, you got your odd job and your jaws, uh, just some sort of weird quirk about them. And I love her quirk as being these crazy, freaking adamantium legs, sword, that- sword legs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man, it's just fucking cool. I don't know if they're unobtainium or or adamantium or. <laughs> What's the Black Panther? Vib- vibranium. Vibranium. Yeah, there's something cool about it that just fucking cuts into everybody. 
or like tin. Uh, <laughs> holy shit! When she cuts Lancelot in half, that was nuts. Yeah, that was brutal. That was uh, that, I wasn't expecting that, but uh, I agree. She was. I think she was fantastic, and she was in a, a bunch of different movies that I had seen. So I like I like her a lot. Mm-hmm. She's good. She was in Atomic Blonde. Yep. And, and she, she was in Star Trek. And she was in Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. But yeah, she was in Star Trek. She played. She was in the, the third one. She's the white lady with the black tattoos. <laughs> the, the black. The black tattoos. Yeah. Star Trek something. Star Trek Beyond. Well, that's it. Yeah, man. Cool. Do you have anything else to add? I do not. I am done with the Kingsman. Cool. Well, thank you for listening to the Don't Be Crazy podcast. Remember to follow us on Twitter at dbcrazypod, at edgyarmo, and at zackdale60, where you can share your thoughts with us, and we will discuss them on the show. Heck, you can even tell us what movie you think we should watch for our next episode. Uh, the month of December is coming up, so we are looking for holiday movie suggestions. We have a couple ideas, but uh, we would like to hear from the entire gamut. So please be all or please also be sure to check out the Geek Legacy podcast with David, Randy, and Justin, as well as the Pixelated podcast with Stephen K. James. Very, very fun, very entertaining. I run to them because they just put me to sleep. So it's pretty great. Uh, just please don't be crazy. Thank you for listening. Thank you so much. <laughs>